I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You are listening to More Than a Song, episode 369. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I'm releasing this episode during Holy Week, and I hope you take this opportunity, this season, to reflect on the events leading up to Christ's death by crucifixion and ultimately his resurrection. Um, I know that music and imagery can transport us to alternate worlds. And this week's song, Who Could, by Meredith Andrews, transports us to the throne room of God and the Apostle John. He fills in the imagery. The song and the scripture remind us that we worship the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And I've said it before, but this was not plan B for God. I can't wait to explore scripture inspired by this week's song. But first... Let's listen. is full of rich lyrics and I toyed with actually taking the song lyric by lyric and pointing you back to scripture but I'm going to go ahead and leave that task to my friend over over at the bereantest.com his name is Vince Wright and I actually had the opportunity to interview Vince on my YouTube channel over at Michelle Nizat TV he applies critical thinking skills to compare lyrical content from popular Christian artists against the Bible for accuracy. And I love the work he's doing over at thebereantest.com, so I hope you check out the interview and his resources. But if you've been a listener for any length of time, you know that my desire is for you to read the Bible for yourself. In fact, my prayer for you is that God will give you an unreasonable desire for his word that leads to an unsurpassable relationship with him. I like spending time in larger chunks of scripture, and so that's what we're going to do today. Rather than taking the lyric apart, lyric by lyric, we're just going to let it inspire us to go to a larger chunk of scripture. Now, the words found in the chorus of this song, the words, worthy is the lamb, these are not original lyrics to Meredith Andrews or any other lyricist, to be honest. It comes straight from the throne room of heaven, where the living creatures, the elders, and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, are declaring with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. 
Now, I use this song to draw me into the very throne room of God. In Revelation chapter 4, the Apostle John is taken up in the Spirit into the throne room of heaven, and he begins to describe what he sees there, and it's amazing. Now, this is the perfect time to take the bite of listening to epic music while reading God's Word. I like Narnia or Lord of the Rings soundtracks. If you have no idea where to get started, you could try starting out with them. But you can just look up epic soundtracks and find your own playlist as well. There's nothing like reading something like this with epic music building in the background. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Now, BITE, by the way, stands for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises, and listening to epic music while reading epic scenes in the Bible is just one bite that I used this week. Now, another bite that I like to use is to read and keep on reading. Uh, In fact, I'm going to share some background information to help you read the book of Revelation. One of the resources I used this week, um, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon and Fee, said this about reading the book of Revelation. They say, try to read it all the way through in one sitting. Read for the big picture. Do not try to figure out everything. Let your reading itself be a happening, as it were. That is, let the visions roll past you like waves on the shore, one after another, until you have a feel for the book and its message. Oh my goodness, I could not have said that better myself, which is why I quoted them instead. But as you turn on your epic soundtrack and then just read and keep on reading, start at the beginning and read all the way through, you'll get a feel for the book. Ignore all the many questions that you're going to have. Ignore all those questions that you may have at first. Gordon and Fee went on to say this, what has happened is something like looking at Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. At first, one is simply awestruck at the sight of the whole of the chapel. Only later, one can inspect the parts and see the magnificence that has gone into every detail. I love that example. So we're going to stop and stare at a portion of the Sistine Chapel on today's podcast. But I hope that it inspires you to grab your favorite hot beverage, find your favorite chair, pop on some epic music, and take in the entire book of Revelation in one sitting. And let the visions roll past you like waves on the shore, one after another. So before we dive into the scene in chapters four and five, I want to go ahead and give you some insight. Now, reading Revelation may have actually scared you in the past. I've heard that. Many of my listeners and and friends even have said, uh, I've never read it because I'm a little afraid of it. It seems so fantastical in, in the portions that I've heard. Or perhaps it just seems so distant, so futuristic, so confusing. You're just not really sure what to do with it. 
And I definitely don't have it all straight in my head either, trust me. But I will tell you, the more often I read Revelation, the more familiar I get with it as a whole. And then I learn a little more each time I interact with it. So I encourage you to just start or to revisit it if it's been a while. Uh, it is God's holy inspired word. So we can't ignore it just because we're a little afraid of it. Uh, but I get it. I mean, it starts out and ends like a letter. So you're like, okay. I, I can do that. But then uh, sometimes we know exactly what a symbol means because it says, you know, this star is this and this lampstand is this. Other times we have no idea. I mean, it's full of angels and scrolls and trumpets and earthquakes and beasts and dragons and pits and trees of life. I mean, it's it's a lot. All right. So the reason it's hard to read, I learned this week, uh, because I did a little research. So I used the bite of consulting that outside resource that I, I will link in the show notes to you. But the reason it's hard to read is that it's a blended combination of prophecy and letter and apocalyptic literature. Now, I'm going to link to a quick video that will help you understand apocalyptic literature better. It's short. Um, it's a great, succinct um, explanation. And it really got me helped me understand it a little bit better. But the biggest tip I can give you is that apocalyptic literature is largely symbolic. And we would be wise not to pinpoint exact meanings to the symbols. Now, Gordon and Fee note this, apocalypses in general and revelation in particular seldom intend to give a detailed chronological account of the future. Isn't that interesting? Because I think a lot of times we think it's a very much a chronological account. And that's why I think we can get a little confused. Back to their quote, their, their message tends to transcend this kind of concern. John, the, the author of Revelation, John's larger concern is that despite present appearances, God is in control of history and the church. And even though the church will experience suffering and death, it will be triumphant in Christ who will judge his enemies and save his people. All of the visions of the book must be seen in terms of this greater concern. So chapters one through three, they set the stage and they introduce us to John and to Christ and the church as represented by seven real churches of the day, but they represent the church as a whole, even today. Okay. Uh, The seven churches were real in their day and they are representative of the church as a whole today. Chapters four through five further help to set the stage. They give us breathtaking visions. This is what we're going to explore a little bit further today using our song as inspiration. And then the unfolding of the actual drama itself happens after that, that offers detail of judgment and triumph and so much more. So as I lay on the floor of the Sistine Chapel and gaze at my portion of the ceiling, so to speak, today, I've chosen the throne room of God in chapters four and five, and I'm going to take the bites of meditation, asking questions, and marking up the text. Now, I purchased a new resource. It's called the Illuminated Scripture Journals. Uh, These journals take each book of the Bible and put them in one bound eight by six booklet with the ESV text on the left and a blank page on the right of every page. So the book of Revelation is one booklet. Does that make sense? I highly recommend getting these, especially if you're going to study an entire book of the Bible all the way through. For example, I bought the one for Genesis because I'm in a Bible study that's working through the entire book of Genesis. It's a little thicker than the one for Revelation. It has a little, uh, There's more chapters and it has a lot more text. But what I really like about these journals is the freedom that you have on the right-hand side. So you might... 
Um, especially those of you who are like, I like to mark up the text because I'm interacting with the text. I'm not afraid to write in my Bible anymore. You, or if you are a little afraid of, to, of writing in your regular Bible, you can use these booklets because they're designed to do that. And then you won't lose all your notes. They're all right there with you. I'm going to take a photo of how I used mine this week. I'll drop it in the show notes so that you can see what I'm talking about. Just go to michellekneesat.com forward slash 369. Uh, first of all, they're beautiful. The booklets are. And then next, they're real easy to read. They have plenty of room in the margins, even on the pages that have the actual biblical text. And then, of course, you have a whole blank page to the right of every page to mark up. If you're super crafty, I've seen people do art and sketching on the side, too, Um I'm not super crafty. I'm more into words and asking questions and all that. So for me, I jot down my notes as I study. So I'll jot down my questions. If I research anything, I'll write that down. And then now, next time, like I said, next time I have all of my previous notes and research right there with me, especially if you're going to do the hard work of doing a word study or seeking an outside um, answers to some questions that you may have. So if you try the resource and you like it, let me know. I'd love to hear how it works for you. But as we explore the text, the big idea I want you to come away with as you read this throne room scene is how amazing and glorious our God is. He is worthy of our praise. So we're already in the throne room. We're going to go ahead and keep reading in verse uh, four of chapter four. And it says around the throne, right? So earlier I read the first four verses. Around that throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with gold crowns, golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. Now, in the text of my uh, booklet, I underlined the words 24 elders. And then on the right-hand side with with the blank open page, I put a question. Who are the 24 elders? (laughs) And I used one of my favorite outside resources. I go to gotquestions.org. And um, basically the answer there is, we're not sure who the 24 elders are. We uh, can pretty much be confident that they're men, not angels. But beyond that, we're not really sure who they are or who they represent. I also underlined the seven spirits of God and put a question in the right-hand side. What are the seven spirits of God? And again, there's no clear answer. There's no one answer to what this is. Um, the, The article that I read said it could represent the Holy Spirit because the number seven is a perfect number. So even though it seems like there's seven specific seven different spirits of God. It's representative of, of the Holy Spirit. It could be uh, angelic beings is one thought. Or another thought is that it could come from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, and where it kind of implies that there would be the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, equaling, quote, seven spirits. So again, they're not sure, but I went ahead and put all of that information in my notes. It's right there. So the next time I read it, I can at least see um, that there's there's options out there. Now, in my research this week, I also learned that John cites or echoes the Old Testament 250 times in the book of Revelation. Now, I find that amazing. I can really see it because I, I actually could picture Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel without having to even do a lot of research just from the reading I've done in the Bible in the past. I see it echoed here. 
Um, but I think that's another reminder that the whole of God's word is so important to know and read and understand. And God intended it that way. But let's keep reading in verse six. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Doesn't that remind you what the seraphim in Isaiah 6 cry out? And as you're taking a deep look, you might want to take the bite of following those cross-references. So I encourage you to do that. Um, Following the cross-references to different areas of scripture will be beneficial as well. Verse 9. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created." I spent some time meditating on the idea that the crowns of the 24 elders were cast before the throne. I looked up all of the references to crown, the word crown in the New Testament. I'm going to go ahead and share them in the show notes. Again, michellekneesat.com forward slash 369 for this week's show notes. But we see an imperishable crown as our prize for running the race of life and finishing strong in 1 Corinthians 9. In Philippians 4 and 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul's spiritual children were his crown. In James 1 and Revelation 2, we see the crown of life. In 2 Timothy 4, we see the crown of righteousness. And in 1 Peter 5, we see the crown of glory. And so it stands to reason that the crowns of the 24 elders are very valuable. It is their prize. It's their reward for like making it to the end. And yet in comparison to the glory, honor and power of God, they are nothing but treasure to be cast at the feet of a holy God. And when the text says, worthy are you, our Lord and God, I took the bite of doing a word study and I looked up those names in the Greek. So the word for Lord is kurios and God is theos. Now kurios is a master, a person exercising absolute ownership rights. And theos is a supreme creator who owns and sustains all things. And so I've been meditating on this. Um, Now, meditation is a bite as well. I want you to come into the habit of letting scripture roll around in your mind a bit. Think about it. You know, don't just read it and set it aside. Read it and think about it. Think about it deeply. Don't, Don't rush through this process. Let the Holy Spirit reveal things to you in his time, but you got to give him something to work with. So you got to read it and then you got to think about it so that you're kind of remembering what you've read. Now, our God created all things. He owns all things. He sustains all things. And he has the authority in our lives to exercise absolute ownership. This should not bring you discomfort because he is a holy God, but he is also a good God. And he has a deep abiding love for us. And he wants our good at at heart. Okay, it's just that he knows more about us than we do. And so we need to trust him. 
Now, in verse 1 of chapter 5, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Now, this part of the scene really got me this week because, and I'm really not sure I'm even ready to move past it, (laughs) because the question our song asks uh, it's a deep question. It's um, it's not the question or answer that gets me. It's John's response, right? So the song asks who could or who is worthy, and we find out later who is worthy. But it's John's response to this question. When the angel asks who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals, and no one could be found at first uh, who was worthy, John wept. Now, he didn't have a little tear slowly trickle down his face. It says he wept loudly. So I wrote my question in my scripture journal on the right-hand side. Why did John weep? And I read and I pondered and I meditated and I could tell you what I found. But honestly, everyone's just guessing anyway. So I want you to meditate on this. I want you to ponder. I want you to think. I want you to read other people's answers to this. Um, But I also want you to ask the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you why this scene has bothered me so much, though. Because I don't get overly emotional about the things of God And I think I should, you know, if I were in the throne room of God and I heard the angel ask, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Would I weep at the thought that no one was worthy? Now, is it because I've read the rest of the story and I know that Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals? Is that why I can't relate to this overwhelming emotional response because I know the end? But then then there are other places of my heart that I want tenderized. I want to weep over the lost and dying world around me. I want to feel deep emotion about the things that God feels deep emotion about. And with that deep abiding emotion, I want to watch my Savior take the scroll from the hand of God. And I want to hear the four living creatures and the 24 elders sing a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Now, I do feel the emotion welling up in me as I consider this. Jesus is worthy to take that scroll. He is worthy to open its seals. He was slain and by his blood, I am ransomed. I am bought back with the price of his very life to be made a kingdom and a priest for God. The end is as was planned in the beginning. We shall reign and rule on the earth that God created, and we will join every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea in all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So what's next? Well, read the book of Revelation for yourself. Consider the literary context as you read so that you kind of that you don't fall into that trap of misreading the text. 
sit awestruck at the sight of the whole before inspecting the parts and then immerse yourself in the throne room scene and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal just how worthy the lion and the lamb is of our praise. Now, while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneesat or on Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network, a network of podcasts associated with New Release Today. NewReleaseToday.com is the most innovative and largest Christian entertainment site online, existing to inform fans immediately about each week's new releases. I'm super excited to be part of this network. Now, if you haven't joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. This challenge is to listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. You're never too late to jump in. I guide you right through your 30 days. You just submit your name and email address at michellekneesat.com forward slash 30-day challenge, and you're in. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Regina from Tennessee, Susie from Texas, Liz from Washington, Christine from Pennsylvania, Georgia from California, Armando from Arizona, Marianne from Virginia, Matt from Texas, and Sija Buliso from South Africa. I'm sure I bumbled that. I'm so sorry. But I, to all of you, welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites. I really think this is going to be helpful to you. So it's just my gift to you. I also give, give you a memory verse resource that you can print out or put on one of your devices. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Uh, This really encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. So as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneesat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using the song Isaiah 53 by Aaron Shoes to point us to scripture. Gee, I wonder where we'll go. (laughs) Now, if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 369. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.